honestly, for me, it's more a question of morality than it is a question of what is, is it really bad for your brand? If you take the example of pornography here, um, it is one of those things that is very taboo, but at the same time, it's still widespread. This is the strategy inside everything. I'm Adam Pierno. All right. Welcome back to another episode of The Strategy Inside Everything. Uh, we should probably change the name of the show to things I saw on Twitter that <laughs> I wanted to follow up on. So today's guest uh, is the head of strategy at Zenith USA. Uh, got a very rich experience in uh, media planning, buying, consumer understanding. Um, Shan Biglione. Did I, how much did I butcher your name? <laughs> You're perfectly fine. Hi. <laughs> I'm self-conscious about my pronunciation skills, Shan. You're good. You're good. Oh, thank you very much. It is uh, wonderful to meet you. I know you from the internet, but we've never uh, met. So this is our first semi-face-to-face meeting uh, and lovely to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And would you do me a favor? Um, I know I'm familiar with you and your point of view on uh, media and uh, some of your experience, but would you mind giving people a sense, just a little background on your career and kind of what, who you are and what you've done so they have a sense of context of uh, your understanding of this topic? Sure. I've been in the business of marketing for about 15 years. Um, and I've worked across quite a few different places. Uh, I've worked in digital creative, um, where I was doing mostly creative planning there. Uh, did some engagement planning, social media planning. Then I went to media planning uh, when I moved to China. Uh, that was about five, six years ago. Um, and uh, I worked in this market for about five years. And I moved to New York pretty much exactly a year ago to uh, still within publicist, now working for Zenith uh, in the US. And here I mostly work on clients like GSK. Uh, pharmaceutical brands, for example. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had the chance to kind of see quite a few different aspects of how we plan things, but the media part, especially the last five, five six years, has been the my primary focus. And tell me more, you started in, on the planning side and then you moved to the media side. What yeah. uh, Was that just a career opportunity or was something about media interesting to you or, or a little bit of both? A bit of everything. It was just uh, looking for a career change and to move to China and something came up in media and just felt like, you know what, I'm curious enough to try to find out how that works. And, and to be honest with you, I never really um, appreciated the work of media agencies um, when I was on the creative side and I thought it was potentially maybe down to me not really understanding what they were doing. Um, so I felt like I could approach to go and figure it out. So I did. What was the biggest uh, cultural learning move you, dis- you wanted to go to China? You, you were like essentially yeah, we about let's move to China and see what it is. Yeah, that 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 was a big, big, big drop. I mean, I, I had lived in Japan where I studied for 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 a few months, um, for a year really. Um, and um, with my wife, we had lived in. Uh, I'm French, she's German, and we had moved to the UK, and then we moved to the US in Los Angeles. And kind of the next step after that felt like let's go to Asia. Um, and China really is where it's at in Asia right now. So right. we were both working in LA on international marketing and we figured that, you know, we could not call, call ourselves global marketers without understanding China. And uh, that could be a good way to learn. So we went. Oh, that's amazing. What are some of the big cultural differences? I mean, going from China to the U.S. has got to be a huge difference in culture, the, the approach to advertising and marketing. And then I have a feeling some of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, what we're going to talk about definitely there's some big differences. Um, I think from from my perspective, it's it's 
it's two big, big markets. And I, funnily enough, I find more similarities than differences. The, the difference, of course, like, you know, is Chinese versus American. And like, you know, there is definitely some, some there's definitely that differences in how mature the market is, how exposed to advertising people have been. You know, you have to remember that a lot of people you work with grew up without advertising. It was at the time when they were kids still propaganda. It wasn't really used for brands. So we have very different, you know, historical backgrounds. Um, the language is very different and, and, and the ecosystem from a media perspective is, is entirely different. Most of the companies we used to work with here are censored over there. So you tend to work a lot more with, with uh, local brands like Taobao, Alibaba and, and, and Tencent and all those guys. Um, so there's plenty of differences, but funnily enough, there's actually quite a lot of similarities. And I, I'd probably say same, same problems that we encounter. Yeah. I'd find probably more similarities between China and the U.S. in the media world than I would between France and the U.S. to some extent. Uh, oh, that's that's really interesting. What's the what's the biggest difference then between uh, France France and the U.S. or France and China? It's the way people think about scaling the business first here um, and China. It's just like you know these are very pragmatic buying driven markets. You go to the U.K. It's much more planning driven. Um, <laughs> And, you know, people like to theorize more versus in, in, in countries like the U.S. or China, I find people to be, I would say, just more pragmatic, but really like, you know, very, very, very clear about delivery. What's the priority? What's the priority? And, and like, she's like, show me the money now. Yeah. <laughs> like right. Yeah. Yeah. Delivery and points versus nuance. And how does the brand look and feel in this space? Yeah, a bit less. Yeah. yeah. Well, that ties in exactly to what we're going to talk about. So, um, Recently, there have been some uh, things in the news. Now, I, I want to caveat that this is a purely hypothetical conversation, but for someone like you who has observed media around the world um, and seen different types of communication going out on broadcast channels and different type of media owners having different type of uh, editorial points of view, hypothetically, there's a role for the person who is choosing media on behalf of a brand to make a decision or to steer a brand. Um, and how do you do that in the face of a viewpoint of what that media point of view is? So does the, does the brand promise align with the editorial promise of that outlet, I guess is, a, is the cleanest way to say it. Um, and even without referencing some of the media, I think people listening are shaking their head and saying, oh, I know, I roughly know what he's, <laughs> what he's talking about. But um, give me a sense, your point of view on how the how the media planner and buyers more the planners but how the media organization um can help protect a brand or help steer a brand well i think there's a lot of different levels that can work for this i mean ultimately you know the the job number one of, of media planning is just to make sure we, we reach the right audience. Um, and, and especially in, in, in recent times, let's say the five, last five, 10 years with audience buying, with, there has been a lot of discussions where it became a lot more about who do we target than where do we target them in a way. Um, context became something less prominent. You know, it used to be that context was kind of a proxy for reaching people. So you'd buy the New York Times to reach people who were slightly more affluent, for instance. Versus nowadays, you can use data signals to kind of go and target those people in a very, very basic website if you wanted to. Um, and, and I think context is something that had historically matched a lot to the advertising industry. It, it then kind of went down as we moved more towards audience buying. And I think it's definitely coming, making a comeback now, um, partly because of uh, fraud, partly because of the creative inventory, but also because 
context can matter to the quality of the ad impact as well. Um, and make sure it's in the right place is something that's, that matters to the brands. So, is, is that part of what you were referencing about the difference between France and, and I would say Europe in general and the US? Is that context is still important there or, or is data no. and data taking place of some of that context buying as well? Data has overtaken most countries. Like, as in, let, let's look at where the money, the media money is flowing and it's mostly to data targeted uh, platforms. Right. Um, and, you know, and when, when Facebook and Google and so on sell you services, they show you, Google sells you some of YouTube, but it's, it's ultimately they're selling you access to an audience much more than they're selling you access to a context. The, this context is not being the key strength of these big data platforms, which are trafficking more and more of the inventory of advertising nowadays. Um, and so th- that context is, is definitely in the mind of the planners. Um, there is basically two aspects if I was going to make it very, very uh, simplistic, there is two aspects to it. One is when we try to maximize the reach of the audience we need to go after, which is a big, big part of the job of media, making sure we scale to the right people um, enough and for a long enough period of time. Um, but then after, there is also making sure that the context will align. So a planner doesn't just look at which shows, for instance, are the biggest rating shows, it's definitely a big consideration in selecting those, but it's also like, well, we think that this show here based, which, based on what you want to say, be saying is quite relevant for your brand. Therefore, we tend to think like this could be a good place to be what we've seen. Um, so that aspect of context is something that I think, you know, used to exist very, very deeply in the work of media planning, I think has reduced a bit, is making a comeback because we want to see more of that uh, uh, front and center. I think we realize that there are limits to audience only targeted systems. Um, so we're seeing more and more, even within the data systems, we see more and more private marketplaces with pre-approved environments and, and so on that are white, that kind of white listed by, by the brand. So constant does matter. Um, but I think to the, to the topic we're going to talk about today, there is a, there's an extra layer to it, which is like, how do you protect the brand, but also can the brand in its media investment play a role in the shape of the media ecosystem in its in its in its own right. Um, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go. But let's talk about context for a second because context means we're trying to catch someone in a certain state of mind, and that was the that was the promise of data. But instead, uh, data has delivered, like you said, an audience of specific people that might fit or more uh, likely to meet the criteria of that context or in that buying funnel versus being in a true context of uh, thinking about a specific problem at a given time yeah. more than, more than well, we used to buy. Yeah. I mean, we, we used to buy the New York Times. Now we can buy the New York Times Reader. And, right. Exactly. That's a great and, example. And that's, that's kind of the big difference in terms of how it's done and, 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 and the big dilemma as to is it the right way to do it? Should you target the New York Times Reader outside of the New York Times? Is it really where you're going to make the best impact for those guys or do you want to be associated with that channel? I think that the, 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 the question about, around whether the channel is heavily associated with, 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 uh, with the brand once it's seen there, it's a complicated topic, to be honest. I've seen contra- contradicting evidence there. That's sometimes you feel like, yeah, I mean, sure, there, there are things we can matter, but you know, we had very often debates around, ooh, what if you appear before a not-so-nice video on YouTube? And right. the question, do consumers really... Thing that the brand has something to say in relationship to what's after in this video, I'm not convinced that it is the case. I, I think, I think this is more of a question of ethics and and whether we want to be seen as advertising uh, as an industry 
to be sponsoring and promoting these things and kind of giving them basically a, a stronger voice by funding them. And that's probably where their bigger questions kind of right now happening. Um, and I think there's definitely stop point of views between the pros and the cons of what should be done. So let, let's just make up a fictional brand, let's say a bank or something that has to be, you know, have a uh, traditionally has a semblance of yeah. uh, professional sheen to it, responsibility. So if you're doing a buy, uh, cross-platform buy, you know, full, whatever they call omni-channel, I'm sure is a word you hate. Yeah. Um, but you would automatically blacklist. You wouldn't want them near pornography. You probably wouldn't want them near gambling. You probably wouldn't want them near certain kinds of violent content. You would make that list even before the things that are signaling context for a, a prospective customer or a current customer. And that's what most brands already do. There's right. quite a few websites which are completely blacklisted from, from, from targeting lists. And, and sometimes it happens that the systems don't work and you can still be seen there, which is usually not a very good news for the brand, uh, for the people, for the uh, people buying this. Um, but no, I mean, for sure there is, a, there, there are lines in the sand for lots of brands out there. Um, and, and some of them are very easy to define, like pornography, uh, is something that's, you know, in general brands don't necessarily want to be seen there. Um, uh, and, and I, I would like to even say like, sometimes I think we're a bit too strong about it, but there could be roles for it to be there. Who knows? <laughs> but yes, it's an easy one for most brands to kind of go and let's say like, nah, don't want to be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen uh, Elon Musk just launched a uh, account on Pornhub for Tesla. I mean, the guy's just got a different point of view. It, it's, it's, it's hard to say it's wrong anymore of the way that people accept it. I think you just have to be smart about what you're saying. And, and again, it's about context. It's not about, I mean, honestly, for me, it's more a question of morality than it is a question of what is, is it really bad for your brand or good? I mean, if it's a white space, you know, and, and as you said, I mean, if you take the example of pornography here, um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it is one of those things that is very taboo, but at the same time, it's so widespread. I mean, it's, it's just share a voice. It's a share a voice is a hundred percent there, right? Yeah. I mean, he's just like, you know, I, <laughs> I, if I was Elon Musk, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is not where I'd start, but seeing how provocative it is, why, why not? I mean, I, I think there is, there are things and the, the goalposts are going to move and, and, and you could very well imagine that there is going to be a day when you will see pornography related content or websites would have a much cleaner outlook than some of the current uh, 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 platforms have. True. And that would be great and it'd be good for brands. Who knows? I mean, we might, we might get to a stage where we'll be comfortable with that and, and, and brand will, will be happy to advertise there. It's not yeah. Well, also gambling, the way the, the attitudes around gambling are changing, that lotteries are growing across the U.S. here um, and around the world. I mean, in the U.K., betting is not taboo. Betting is, sports betting is everywhere. In the, here, and, and go ahead. Be clear, I don't see many advertisers say they don't want to advertise in Las Vegas. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like, right. <laughs> They're happy fine to. over there, but we're not fine over here. So th there is definitely questions that could be, I mean, it's, it's, it's never black and white. And I, to be honest, at the end of the day, I think it is, it's done, I, you have to respect how the brand feels about it um, and where it wants to go and where it doesn't want to go. Um, but I think, you know, we have to make sure we don't treat those things as taboos, the things that we're discussing and an informed decision can be made whether we want to go there or not. Yeah. And so a traditional advertiser, like I said, a bank or insurance company would be much more cautious, typically more conservative, but like Monster Energy or Red Bull might be everywhere. They don't care. They just want to get in front of the right young audience of, of males 18 to 34 or maybe 14 to 34 that are going to buy the product and they don't care if they're what they're consuming. Right. 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, we'll always have points of views on this. And, and, you know, I mean, I see my company, for instance, which by the way, I do not represent specifically officially today on this, on this chat, but like, you know, uh, there definitely are guidelines that would be recommended for those brands. And, 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 and if sometimes there are things that they want to try, they can, I mean, it's, 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 I, I always say it's worth discussing and then we figure out where we want, where we want to go. Um, I wouldn't make just black and white statements. And what is, so you said it's about, uh, morality and moral judgments. And, and I agree. So uh, taking it one step further, you know, not ruling out an entire subject matter like pornography or gambling, but YouTube you brought up is a great example because YouTube is a platform that has trillions of videos of every type of content. And who knows, it's a really a crapshoot of what you're going to get. Although you're, if you're buying it directly, you're having more of a voice in uh, what type of content you're around, but you could end up before or after anything. Yeah. So what is your uh, role as you're placing those things about, uh, you know, there could be some violent content that a particular brand might say, yes, it's violent, but it is in support of a topic that, or a side that we agree with, you know, it's violent, but it's women protesting for equality or an equal voice in their role mm-hmm. in their job. So we're, we're okay with that. I think generally speaking, the, the guidance is to play it safe. Um, it is possible to put filters and kind of say, this is the kind of content we don't want to be seen on. And I think that, because we don't have, right now there is no system that allows for precise handpicking and just like really does a case by case. And I don't think there's an AI system. I think Google have not solved it at all. I don't think um, many companies would be able to kind of go to that granular level of like, oh, this is fine or this is not fine. And, you know, like there is often, you know, this thing about, you know, Pornography is hard to define, but I know it when I see it. And exactly. I think there's a little bit, there's, there's a little bit of that as well to, you know, what is on the right line of, you know, violence versus, and I think it's just, it's, it just makes sense for brands to go and say, look, violence in general is not where we want to go. The same way there's many brands that decide, I don't want to be seen in politics. Um, uh, because, you know, there's going to be, and, and I think, you know, sometimes it's interesting because they don't think of it so much as, you know, what is the context of being said as much as they think of it from a perspective of, how the user is going to feel. You know, if someone is feeling very, very angry right now because they're looking at the talk show who's like talking very vehemently about politics, maybe it's not going to make them very receptive to a message. So I think, you know, thinking of those aspects of what mindset could be the user in is another dimension that a lot of brands think of. But from a practical perspective and how they enforce their, their, their guidelines, it's mostly like, look, we just don't want to go there. Like it's, it's, this is not something that we think is worth debating is worth the effort. And to be honest, there is, inve- there is enough inventory generally to not have to take that gamble and that risk. Like, right. You, you can't avoid it if you, if you want to. You can't avoid it. So why would you get into it, get into trouble, get into PR? I mean, you know, these things, these things, even if they're short lived, they take time and energy and effort. And I think brands not necessarily keen. And I understand that not really keen to kind of have to deal with it. Let's talk about um, like, this is this will be a little bit dated, but the Howard Stern show where for 20 years he was the black sheep and he was controversial and he was saying all kinds of things and getting fined by the FCC and, you know, pretty serious. There were brands that said, we don't care. I remember Snapple was one of them. We don't mm-hmm. care. We're in. We, yeah. we like it. And what you just said uh, triggered this for me that it, when it's about politics, people will be emotional. And I think that's a double-edged sword. I mean, not a double-edged sword, but there's a, I heard it as a negative, but there's a positive to it too, that if you're really pro, really into politics and you hear something, you could be really positively charged when you're hearing it. 
How do you, yeah, I mean, and, how do you and navigate? Sometimes maybe anger is a reaction that could be helpful for the message you want to get across. I mean, you know, it's just like it really, like the, 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 the words, it depends, matter a lot in these situations. There is yeah. many, many variables to it. What is it that you want to convey? Uh, is it in line? Um, is your company ready to kind of face the backlash? Either it's going to be a backlash. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just, is the cost right? Are you going to reach the right people there? Like there's so many, many things that come into consideration. Um, and, 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 and I think, you know, I mean, the Snapple example, I think is a, is a good one. It's just the runner goes and says, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, just, I want, I'd rather be there. And, and very often the, the perspective of it is like, well, maybe it's not my thing, but there is X million people who actually really like it. Um, clearly they're choosing to watch it. Why should I look down on it? Like, you know, this is, if this is their thing, um, I respect that point of view for a brand. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not one to set rules for it that we should, we shouldn't. Um, but I equally respect the brand who says, you know what, this is not the image that I want to promote. This is not something that's in line with the ethos of my brand. Therefore, I think it would be hypocritical for me to be there. Therefore, I will not be sponsoring this show. Like these are two sides of the, of, of the coin, which I think, um, should feel free to be expressed. And I, I, I don't agree with people who think that it should be black or white and you should all choose to never just like, you know, take media out of your equation for moral reasons or likewise, um, uh, uh, that you should be very specific about which ones your morality stops and doesn't stop because, you know, where do you stop that? Right. Well, that, so I, it sounds like this is a conversation you have with clients and brands you represent about where they're comfortable and where the line is. Yeah. Yeah, we do. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, one of the hot topics has been hate related media. Yeah. This is really hard. This is something, you know, that's been very top of mind. There is, uh, 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 groups that have set up to kind of ask people to stop funding hate, uh, in the press, um, with certain, uh, uh extremist, uh, uh, media, 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 uh, uh, out there. And, and, and yeah, I mean, this, this is definitely, it's not like brands just brush it off and like, nah, I don't care. Or like, you know, super easy like no they ask the question there is discussions there's debates there's pros and cons and what can be do what can be done about it what is what is also the effect of what we're doing you know like is will it help will it help is it really something we want to do is it is it an audience that we want to ostracize you know and it's, it's a real question it is it's a real it's a real minefield and on on the web you would say okay blacklist these sites but in other media where it may be print or maybe you know a, a hard editorial line on a newspaper or TV, TV network, for example, um, it's hard to rule out an audience of a certain size. If you're a, you know, a cable network that's carried across the U.S. or the globe, it's hard to say no to that reach because there's so few places that you can get it. Yeah, I mean, from a pure math perspective, it can be difficult. Some of them are high reach. There are some which are small and frankly, you can live without it, um, in which case it's just like, you know, do you want, do you not want? There is, there is a couple now, I mean, name it or like Fox, Fox for instance is a big network that has been kind of polarizing uh, and has definitely gotten a lot of attention where there's there's bigger questions and you know I generally speaking you know not having Fox on a media plan will cost you reach you know it's, it's, it, it is just at the end of the day in quite practical terms right uh, your competitors will get a competitive edge if, if you don't advertise there at all I think um, or you know it's, it can be complicated to, to, re to replace it there's people addicted to those networks or watch those networks primarily. Maybe addicted is the wrong word, but, um, and so do you want to reach those people or not? And that's one of the, that's the big challenge. I mean, that's when it, decisions are easy until it costs you something, right? Ethics are easy until you have to make yeah. a decision. So for those people that are 
you know, thinking and saying to their friends, I wouldn't put my brand on Fox. Well, okay, but then you give up this reach, especially of uh, this, this particular audience of high income men of a certain age. I mean, you're yeah. not going to be able to reach them. So for a lot of products, that's really, that's really a challenge. So how do you coach clients through that? It's a dialogue. Um, I think, you know, there's different levels of, uh, of engagement there uh, in terms of how you can go and respond to that. Um, so if I take the example of Fox, there's clearly, the, the way it usually works in my experience is that uh, brands will decide not to go after certain programs. Um, that makes so, sense. You know what? I, the political shows over there. The, the no. talking head shows, I can avoid those. And I, I can go on the news programming where there's journalists. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it is completely possible to do that. Um, and some brands have already done it. Some, some brands have done it proactively because they just don't want to create a mess. Some brands have done it, done it reactively because something came up in the news and just came up that someone said X or Y and, 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 and suddenly it became like not very acceptable to, to, to kind of fund those, those groups. Um, what is certain is that um, th there is different levels of reaction for the brands. And you, they can decide to not care. They can decide to block one part of the program. They can decide to block the entire channel if they want to. You know, it's that, that is ultimately a discussion that the brand is to have a, as a wider space. And, you know, I mean, there are, there are going to be considerations as well. Like, you know, I don't think it's a role of the agency to say, don't buy there. Like it's, it's not, it's just, it's, it's, it's not our money for starters. It's not, you know, we're not voting with our own dime here. Right. Um, so the brand has to be free online. And, and even beyond that, it's not just the media manager who needs to make that kind of decision because if it's a, if it's a moral and ethical decision, then it becomes, what does the company want to say ethically and is it, does it align? So I think that's going to go up quite high up um, in, 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 in the, in the stakeholder chain to kind of make that kind of calls. Um, and, and it's, it's important to remember that, yeah, this is, you know, we, we, the, the, these channels do vote for the, with that money and they can have an impact. We've seen people being fired because, well, there is too much backlash and then the advertisers dry up and, and, you know, TV stations do work on ratings the same way websites do and so on. So if, 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 if the advertising dries out, it can have an impact. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's fair to say to brands, you can make a difference if you want. I think this is a completely fair statement and expectation to set for brands to say, don't underestimate that your investments do fund certain ways of reporting and certain ways of, of working, you know, all the way down to the way we buy media. We have quite literally transferred a lot of money from funding the press and journalism into other things. And, and at some point, we're going to have to look around and think like, have we done the right thing from a societal perspective? You mean, you're talking about putting money into uh, campaigns like on Facebook and Google and taking them away from newsrooms. Anything. I mean, you know, Google and Facebook are kind of the, the tip of the iceberg, but there's yeah. a lot of different channels you can buy. Um, and, 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 and for a while, brands were kind of fine saying, you know, we're, we're okay to put money away from those places that fund, you know, journalism. And they said, like, you know, it's not a job. You know, we were there in the first place because they were able to get us the eyeballs. Once the eyeballs were gone, why would we stay there? Um, but it does, you know, what we do as an advertising ecosystem does shape the media world we live in. Um, and I think it would be short-sighted for anybody from agency to brands um, to kind of discard entirely the fact that we do have a role, not huge, but we do have a role because ultimately we're the customers and we pay with our, we, we shape with our wallets what we want. Yeah. Um, and, and so do brands want to play a role in this or not? Um, you know, I think it's, it's not an easy answer. 
Um, no, it's not. It, it, it. Especially as, you know, brand purpose, which I don't know, you know, I'm on the fence about brand purpose. It works for some, it doesn't work for others, I guess, like anything. But if a brand comes out with some bold purpose, some progressive purpose, want to make the world better, and then their media is all over these sketchy shows and or, or sketchy properties, then you say, well, I don't know. Are you really for the, the developing world when you're, all your money is going to these other places that tell me something contrary? You know, the, the message might be right, but the, the media is telling me something different. I'm getting a yeah. different message just from that. Yeah, no, definitely. That's what, um, you know, at, at, in your role at Zenith, you are helping remind them help, you know, their brands and kind of making sure that the, the media bets that they're making are lining up with their brand and lining up with the creative that they're putting forward. Yeah. I mean, the team definitely think about it. Um, to what extent do they get political about it or like, you know, it kind of varies. Um, but it, I, I think, I think it'd be, it, uh, everybody should know that these are considerations and it's not like people just blindly, Oh, here's my spreadsheet and just buy there. Sure. We have an output of a machine that just looks at rich numbers that you go buy those and that's it. Right. But there's, always <laughs> going to be, there's always going to be like a, 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 well, always going to be that there is very often a, 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 a human analysis and kind of layers other things on top of it. To be fair, I'd say 99.9% of the time it's fine. It's, there's no big, clash it's just we're trying to maximize fit more than avoiding misfit if you will um and 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 you know a greater deal of planning is spent trying to make sure we find the best place to be seen in there's not many places where we absolutely do not want to be seen in. it's just like we're trying to kind of maximize where we can gain rather than cut the places where we would not be losing right um, so that's that's it still it still happens i think the question you know of there once things become more debated in society or it makes the headlines, then clients usually will come and ask. They're, they're just going to be pressing on their, it's going to be on their minds like, hey, what do you think, you know, um, um, should we buy, should we buying this talk show host? Right. Is it worth being here or not? Yeah, like we, 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 we get asked uh, by clients when it's, when it, and, and which is why it's good for it to be debated because sometimes it raises the question because people were not necessarily thinking too hard about it. And it's like, oh, hold on a second. Should we be there? Should, does it make sense for us to be there? Um, Look, you know, it's it's an offer and demand market. <laughs> I'm right. a capitalist, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I think you know it's completely fair for brands who manage their own money to decide <laughs> if they're there or not. You know, well, you look at the Today Show, which had I don't know 30 years of supremacy of being number one until uh, Matt Lauer gets called out for doing some terrible things, and then Megyn Kelly steps forward and says some dumb things, and it's then people call you and say, well, I don't know if we want to be there, but at a certain point, the, the the share of voice and the availability gets so much that from that supply and demand point of view, you go, well, actually we can make a lot of noise there because they, they still have viewers. We can, we can be there and, you know, be a, uh, a louder voice there than we could elsewhere on GMA where now people are clamoring to get in. And, and, you know, it's another debate um, point that I've heard um, is that let's say you have a message. Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, if a talk show does something, which is clearly, um, has uh, xenophobic kind of tones or something. Okay, that, yeah. that, that happens. Um, and the question is like, you know, should we advertise there? Well, if if your spot is about a more inclusive message, isn't that a good thing? Are you, I mean, isn't it good to go preach to people who are um, uh, uh, maybe thinking otherwise that this is the way the world should potentially work? Uh, it's a question mark. 
I mean, I don't have a firm answer for it. I would say that not many brands doing POTS in general. Um, I think one of the few examples we saw was Nike last year with Copenic. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, should they advertise this on the most heated anti-Copenic talk shows in the United States? I think it's an interesting question. Um, uh, because in a way, maybe they should. Maybe it's actually this is where you should be seen and make that statement rather than going saying saying it in your echo sh- chamber of people who already believe in it. Because if you really want to make an impact in society, this is the way you would do it. Statement. Like, I, it's a real question. Or are you really like I'll be seen the other way around by some people who can say, "Oh, look!" But they're giving that money, so they're funding it. Therefore, right. they're supporting it. It's like, well, discuss. You know, it's that's I, I, what the conversation would be. Yeah, why are you supporting those that other point of view by with this positive message? Yeah, so it's it's. I think there is different ways to look at it. Um, I understand people who ask to have some media channels to be uh, uh, considered more carefully, if not outright not divested from. Um, I I just think you know it's it's always worth remembering that um, different markets have different expectations. I mean, I've talked about the fact I worked in China, in France, or in, in in the US. So you know, if I talk to you briefly about that. You know, in France, we have hate speeches technically forbidden. You're not allowed to have hate We don't have free speech for hate speech. For instance. Right. Um, so uh, you can go to jail for saying some of the things you're allowed to say here in the US. Um, that's a different setup. Versus you go to China, where China has very clear rules, like you know, have to abide by what the government wants, wants to, to say. Um, frankly, I think that this is here where the media channels themselves are you know, they've got the ducks in a row and they know what they're supposed right. to say. There's, there's, you're not going to get close to the rail there. And, and it's, it's complicated to get close to the rail because usually the channels are very, you know, they kept, kept in line. Um, all the way to user-generated content, which, you know, once the channel becomes too big in user-generated content, the government looks quite directly into it and makes sure that things can be moderated more heavily. Um, and then you come to the U.S. where, well, not only is free speech completely open, but on top of that, you know, in, in the Reagan years, they decided that media channels did not have um, to uh, remain uh, objective. You know, this is a role that still exists in Europe, but not here. So, you know, you have a host of uh, 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 news channels, quote unquote, which kind of clearly, and I'm saying this left and right. Um, um, yeah, of course. Channels are clearly uh, partisan the way they, they treat information. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a debate of its own in the U S in a way, because it's a, it's a, it's a country that has institutionalized free speech and the fact that people could have extreme points of view and that some channels could be open to it. Now, whether a branch advertised there or not, I don't think it's anyone's right to say other than the brands. Consumers are also completely entitled to react to it. That's it. Want to go and boycott a brand because it's in there. I think it's their right. Um, I don't think is the way it works. That, to be completely fair, um, I, I think it's, I don't think there's gonna be many people who are going to be um, uh, 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 boycotting your brand because that advertise on said channel. It's such, um, it it happens in such a small volume that it it's, yeah, I, it doesn't impact most most brands. People forget about you know they still buy Volkswagen and go to get BP oil and and it's just like you know it's just right. scan is it needs to be pretty massive and usually most companies can survive it. So trust me, the fact that you've, your ad has been seen on set on channel A or B has really been something that's going to drag the brand down in my experience. Um, yeah. I mean, I think when we started this conversation, I thought the, the ethical challenge of, you know, what type of programming you're aligning with was the big question, but 
you you got my attention when you talked about advertising in places that are taking money away from journalism and the the infrastructure of of what journalism was 30 20 years ago yeah. and how it's changed shape now i mean that's how do you commit a brand to that when nobody's watching it how do you it's almost irresponsible to ask them to invest there because advertising is not seen as a form of philanthropy. And I, I, you know, it's just, that's the reality of it. And if it was, we would have a slightly different way of investing. The thing is advertising is seen as a way to reach consumers. That is the, 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 the core basis of it. And, and I don't think there's many brands out there. Some of them do, but most brands, they're here just to make sure they maximize the people they want to reach. And, and if those people are into different types of content, they go to other content. So do advertisers have a role to play in what the, uh, media and journalistic ecosystem looks like, yeah, they do have a role because they pay with that money. And so they, they technically fund one or the other. Do they have a responsibility for it? I think is a, is a, is a, is a more nuanced question. Right. Is it down to them? Is it down to the journalist system to be able to kind of still attract people? Like it's, Figure itself out, yeah. It's, 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 it's really, uh, for me, it's, it's not a simple and trivial question. And I understand people who have strong points of view on both ends. Um, I just think like it's, it's, there is pros and cons to each approach. I think you're right. Well, um, Shan, this was fantastic talk. I really appreciate you making time today for me. I know it's uh, late there, so you probably want to get home to the family, but uh, thanks for making time. Thank you. Hey, uh, where can people find you online, sir? Uh, the, the usual Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, uh, it's just like if they look for Le Shan on, on, link, on Twitter, they'll find me and, and, and my in, and, and not in, not possible to pronounce name, Shan Bilion. Mostly on Twitter. This is where I'm the most vocal. When you uh, when you say it, it sounds a lot easier to pronounce than when I try it. When in my mind, I got very freaked out about it. Well, I've practiced for 38 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you in 30 years. Maybe I'll have it down. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, man. This was awesome. Thank you again. I appreciate your time. Have a good one. Your feedback means everything. Send us a tweet at Apierno or at strategy underscore inside. Leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. And please, please, please share this podcast with your friends. Let people know you like it and send people you want to be guests our way. We would love to hear more. Strategy Inside Everything is produced and hosted by Adam Pierno. For information about the show or to find out how to be a guest, you can go to adampierno.com slash podcast. For information about Adam's books, Underthink It and Specific, or to find out how to invite Adam to be a speaker at an upcoming event, please go to adampierno.com slash speaker. Thanks for listening.